Hi, 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 and hey, hey, Beatle fans, and welcome to Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. This is a bi-weekly show that we do right here on Facebook, and it's all about the solo careers of the Beatles. As I always say, the most successful solo careers of any artist coming from a previous band, something that we celebrate right here on this very show. I'm Ken Michaels. I'm uh, also known for a syndicated Beatles radio program called Every Little Thing, currently on 37 radio stations. And you might also know me for another podcast show that I do called Things We Said Today. And I'm being joined by my regular co-hosts on the show. First of all, we have the queen, the queen of Beatles media, wearing her, her crown right now. You also know her for being the author of Songs You Are Singing, Guided Tours Through the Beatles' Lesser Known Tracks, also the book Michael Jackson FAQ. She's also authored many articles on the Beatles' deep tracks, and she goes deep into Beatles songs and solo Beatles songs, and that's certainly her forte, and we welcome her again to our show. Good to see you, Kid O'Toole. Hello, my subjects. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and we this must is bow. Yeah, that's, that's right. And this is Tom requested this. <laughs> so, so this is for you, Tom. Thank you. Thank Looks you. good on you. Looks good on oh, you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. As you mentioned, Tom, one of our other co-hosts is Tom Hunyadi, who you know for the Paul McCartney, the solo Paul McCartney podcast called Two Legs that he hosts with David Gargolino. Welcome, Tom. Welcome, everybody. Kit and the lipstick looks amazing, too. Uh, make sure you don't leave any uh, lipstick traces anywhere or anything. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's I'm not doing that album. No, no, no. <laughs> that's very good, Tom. The only, the only song where that works. And yes. you nailed it right there. <laughs> and we've also got subbing for Ken Womack. Mean Mr. Mayo, we call her Joe, call him Joe on the show. <laughs> <Best known>. okay. <laughs> you can call him yes, Joe. Joe. You can call Joe him Mayo. Mayo. Call him yes, Mayo. Joe Mayo. <laughs> Joe Mayo, who has a very popular YouTube site. He's been doing this for years now, very popular. And he's been bringing a lot. <laughs> it's going to you a little I bit more than you, that. You're there. <laughs> you're there. I know you're there. I can't see you. <laughs> so welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. And hello, Kit. Hello, Tom. Great to be back, as always. And uh, I'm looking forward to this topic today. All right. Yeah, this was an idea that came to us from Kit. And uh, it's actually, we're going to be reviewing an album that came out in 1977, a much maligned album called Ringo the Fourth. And we'll be talking about that 
a little bit later on. And uh, I know Kit will have a major announcement to uh, share with us about some of the people here at Talk More Talk. And uh, we'll do that after the news. So it's going to be a pretty full show here. But first, as usual, we will get to the latest in Beatle news. And I'm sure by now you've heard the biggest news of the last two weeks for Beatle fans. And that concerns Paul McCartney, who for the past year has been writing a new musical. It's a stage version of the 1946 classic Frank Capra film, It's a Wonderful Life. And um, he'll be writing the music for this and co-collaborating on the lyrics with screenwriter and playwright Lee Hall. And Lee is also the screenwriter behind Billy Elliot and Rocket Man. And theater and film impresario Bill Kenwright is producing the show. Paul said in a press release, like many of these things, this all started with an email. Bill had asked if it was something I might be up for. Writing a musical is not something that had ever really appealed to me. But Bill and I met up with Lee Hall and had a chat, and I found myself thinking, this could be interesting and fun. It's a wonderful life as a universal story we can all relate to. And Paul has nearly finished all the songs for the musical. And both the New York Post and Variety are both saying that uh, it's likely to debut in the UK in late 2020 before coming to Broadway. So what are your thoughts about this news about Paul writing a musical? <laughs> Something different for Paul, all right? This is really the first, isn't it, uh, musical by mm -hmm. And well, he's done everything else. I think it's incredible. Well, you know, a lot of the stuff that he's written through the years, a lot, of, especially a lot of the dance hall numbers, could have worked in musicals, you know. The thing that surprises me about this announcement is that I always remember Paul talking about how he and John went to see Oklahoma <laughs> in the movie theater. And they thought it was so corny as if they would never consider doing anything at all like that. I can't believe Paul would actually think that way, considering how versatile he is as a songwriter and how he's embraced so many different musical styles. So my question is, what took so long? <laughs> I mean, I really, I would have expected him to have done this many years ago, but I'm yeah. thrilled about this. Yeah, I'm up Same in the thing air with about the standards it. Out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm happy about it. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember him telling stories about how even the best musicals, John would be like, "Bloody hell!" And he'd be, we want, John would walk out of even the best musicals. Paul right. Said on a TV show. <laughs> so uh, this is an interesting. It's just it's it's something to look forward to, and it's a classic film too. Right. But even, you know, for corny music, Paul likes corny music. Mm. I mean, for someone that also said that how, much, how much he liked Fred Astaire, for example, cheek to cheek, that kind of music. I mean, I don't, it just seemed like this would be a natural thing for, for him to have done all these many years. So yeah. my personal opinion. Yeah, I think the subject matter of the film, I think, suits him as well, too. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in, in a way, that the ending is, you know, it's positive, it's uplifting, it's very moving and emotional, just like a lot of his a lot of his songs are. So, you know, I'm curious about this, too. I mean, I feel it could go either way, maybe. I mean, it could be a hit or miss. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to offer. From what I've heard is early reports have that it's, it's kind of beatle -y. 
So that's kind of, I'm kind of curious about that. I watched a uh, interview with his manager, Scott Roger, um, not too long ago that was recorded in January. And he had mentioned that he was already working on it back then. So I can see, yeah, that the music probably is uh, close to being done. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he has to offer. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, Joe, this is something, uh, you know, new territory and um, he's done everything else. So why not? <laughs> right. Yeah. It'll be, I, I'm kind of like, like you, Tom, you know, it could, it could go either way. Uh, what I'll be, I'll be very interested to hear what he does because, you know, writing, you know, pop rock, you know, everything he's done and writing for a musical, are, are very different things. And, you know, there have been some people that have been able to make that transition very well and others not so much. I mean, like Paul Simon's The Cape Man, I mean, that that didn't work out. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, you 2 doing the music for uh, the Spider-Man Spider uh, musical, but there are other things going on that doom that production. But but the music, you know, I think that it's, it's you know, you have to propel a story uh, you know, with the music. And, uh, but on the other hand, Paul has told some stories in his music mm -hmm. and he likes to write about different characters. I mean, you know, something like Eleanor Rigby, um, mm -hmm. or, or another day or something like that. I mean, you know, you yeah. can go on and on. Um, so I think that's what he'd, and I'm sure he is, would have to, to keep in mind. It's just, it's, it's a different skill, but, uh, but I'll, I'll be very interested to see how this goes. Well, he'll be working with Lee Hall, right? Mm -hmm. Who'll be doing the playwright, so they're working on the lyrics together. So I think that'll be an added plus. True. To Paul. Yeah. All right. Uh, other news: something causing a lot of buzz in the past week is the word that Paul said that he's planning to release an album of him and his band of improvised outtakes from sound checks, which Paul has called a treasure trove of material that they've continued to record over the years. Now, does this mean it's really going to happen? Paul can actually be putting the word out there just to see right. what kind of interest it, there is in this kind of thing. But there's no I official so. word yet about it. Yeah. No. I'll put this in the category. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, it's it's it is interesting, uh, but I mean, will this? I mean, I think this would be something only for hardcore McCartney fans, though. I don't see this for a casual McCartney fan. Sure. So, um, so we'll see. Well, you know, the, the Amoeba gig has been getting real raves from a, a lot of people, fans. Yeah. A lot of people are putting this either their, their favorite live uh, thing that Paul's ever done, or at least right behind Wings Over America. And across the board, I mean, I have, I have yet to, to hear anybody in the circles of fans and people that, you know, Beatle people, who uh, weren't blown away by it. So maybe give Paul even more incentive if he knows it's being appreciated. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. McCartney's hot right now. I mean, he could put out just about anything and people uh, will flock to it. I mean, especially if he does multiple versions, color vinyl. I think uh, if, it's a if it's a collectible, yeah, a suitcase. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, we're still, I mean, we're still talking McCartney after all, you know, after this incredible, what, seven, eight months that he's had now. I mean, going on a year since Siege of Station, the guy is, is hotter than ever right now. I mean, I mean, when was the last time we've talked about McCartney this much, uh, you know, in the past 20 years? I mean, this is just really, uh, you know, a hot time for him. So, well, he, he, knows, to, how, he knows how to create interest in him. In himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and one right. thing that I think is, is kind of obvious, at least to me, is that it's been 
10 years since mm -hmm. Good Evening New York City. Mm -hmm. He hasn't put out any new live album, I mean, aside right. from Amoeba's gig, but right. anything from the last 10 years. And he's accumulated a lot of songs that he's done live that have never come out as live right. recordings since then, especially a lot of Beatles songs. Mm -hmm. So, but this whole thing about outtakes, that could be interesting. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of what he added to Tripping the Live Fantastic, a lot mm. of what he called trinkets. Oh, right. right. Yeah. So a whole yeah. album of that and could the, be interesting. Soundtracks would be great, too. I mean, the soundtrack idea is something interesting. He does a lot of different songs and soundtracks. I mean, I, I was at a soundtrack in 2017. He did Alligator from mm. New. Oh. Which was, which was a treat, you know. Right. You know, stuff yeah. like that. You know, maybe he wouldn't do uh, actually at the show, but he does it in the sound check. Hmm. Yeah. And when I hear that, I keep saying, why doesn't he do it on stage during the concert? <laughs> Same thing with uh, Celebration, which is a beautiful mm. piece from Standing Stone, which he's mm. done a lot during sound checks. And I wish he would do that as part of his live show. That would be a mm. nice little, nice little thing to have. Okay, uh, more Paul news. There's plenty. <laughs> Paul, <Tireless was>, man. <laughs> Paul happened to be at LIPA, the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts, attending as he does every year their graduate graduation ceremonies. The stars from Black Adder, Rowan Atkinson and Stephen Fry, were honored uh, by being named companions of the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts which honors outstanding achievement and practical contribution to the higher education institution. It's also been reported, though not confirmed, that he visited the Philharmonic Pub again, mm. which yeah. is where he did that show right. with the James Corden uh, feature with the karaoke. Um, also, Jeff Lynne's ELO tour with Danny Harrison, opening for him, ends this Thursday, August 1st, with a date at the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Danny Harrison's new song, called Motorways Erase It, is now available on streaming services, and he's been performing the song on tour with uh, Jeff Lynne's ELO. And uh, just debuting online is a new video for the song, which is directed by Liam Lynch. And it has a pig flying through the area, visiting various places with a frisbee in his mouth. <laughs> it's That's <trippy>. the video. <laughs> it's what? It's trippy. Yes, it is. <laughs> and um, as Jeff Lynn's tour ends, Ringo's tour gets underway mm. with his all-star band celebrating their 30th anniversary. And uh, that also starts on August the 1st. The same day Jeff Lynn's tour ends, Ringo's uh, begins, and that'll be in Windsor, Canada, wrapping up on September the 1st at the Greek Theater in L.A. Cool. I know I'll be seeing two of those shows. Cool. Um, and some sad news on the passing of Ian Ferguson, who was Badfinger's roadie for many mm -hmm. years. He also worked for Richie Blackmore and Deep Purple after working for Badfinger. And I did see a photograph of Joey Molland with him in the hospital a few uh, weeks before he passed. Mm. All right, that's all the news I have for now. Anybody um, want to add anything? I think you had something, Tom. Yeah, I just had one thing. Um, now that uh, Paul's tour is over with, like all of his tours, once they end, if you go to uh, paulmccartney.com, all of his tour merchandise is, is discounted. I think it's about 10 to $15 cheaper than it was on tour. So if you went to the show or if you didn't go to the show and you want something to uh, – 
to to remind you of this tour you know it's 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 now on uh, his uh, website uh, for discount price Oh, thank you, Tom. I am after the show. I'm going to go right <laughs> over there. There were some t-shirts from that tour that I really liked. There so. were so many of those t-shirts. Mm. I mean, there had to have been at least two dozen t-shirts. It was yeah. crazy how many t-shirts he had on sale for his show. Oh, funny. I'd love to have all of them, but you know, I think they're like <laughs> like forty bucks a pop or something yeah. like that. Well, they, uh, they were forty-five actually, and then mm. now they're down to like uh, thirty-one to thirty-five dollars a pop now. So they're at discount price. So. Nice. nice. Okay. All right. So before we continue, uh, I know, Kit, you've got a major announcement to make. Yes, indeed. Um, well, as everybody uh, knows, and, and many of you watching right now or listening to this um, it may be going, the uh, Fest for Beatles fans is coming up. Uh, it's August 9th through the 11th. And I've had a couple of people asking me, are, is Talk More Talk going to be doing something there? Yes. Now, unfortunately, we all can't be there. I wish we could because, you know, we had a great time uh, when we were uh, doing that panel at Monmouth. And, and uh, you know, it was really great. So hopefully we can all get our travel you know, schedules coordinated in the future. <laughs> But uh, Ken Womack and I will be at the fest, and we are very excited uh, to announce that we will be interviewing Mark Lewison. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I was so glad. I mean, we weren't sure if he'd be able to do it. I mean, as, he's a very busy man, as we all know. <laughs> and uh, but, but he graciously uh, agreed to do it, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, of course, record it. We can't stream it live because the Wi-Fi connection at the hotel is, you know. So we're going to do what we've done before when we've done live stuff, which is I'll, you know, we'll record it and then it will be put up uh, for our next show. So you don't want to miss this. Uh, it's it's going to be a great great conversation. So all you have to do is go over to thefest.com if you don't have your tickets already. Go get them, and then uh, you can be a part of the next Talk More Talk and be in the audience and and uh, help us welcome Mark. Okay. That's great. I can't wait to see it. Yep. Me too. Um, <laughs> which, which day is that going to be on the weekend? It's going, I believe it's going – I mean, the schedule – the full schedule will go up August 2nd, but I believe it's going to be Saturday. Okay. Mm. Yep. So, uh, so yes, like Saturday afternoon. So of course, keep looking at it, you know, checking out our Facebook page, our Twitter, and you know, uh, we'll post all the details. So you'll know uh, when to be there. Very yeah. cool. You always learn something new whenever Mark Lewis is in the room. Yeah. No doubt about it. He's one of the best people you could ever interview. The knowledge yeah, the that has is astounding. Yep. And then so. the memory to remember, you know, <laughs> all that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Okay. So before we get to our main topic of Ringo the Fourth, we want to talk about uh, something that was just reissued, and that's mm -hmm. the Mike McCartney album known as McGear, which came out in 1974. I have uh, just digital downloads of it. I don't have mm -hmm. the physical copy, but there's mm -hmm. Tom showing the front cover, and there's Kit showing the CD. So um, I think this was a tremendous album, and, and personally, I think it just gets better over time. And I think a lot of people may not have explored it fully when it first came out. And obviously, right. it's got Paul all over it, Yeah, having produced the album and, and co-writing many songs with Mike and writing in its entirety 
some mm -hmm. of the songs. And Paul, you can you can feel his presence throughout the whole album. And it is, as many people have said, like a Lost Wings album, because you also have Linda McCartney on there, Denny Lane is on there. It was the start of Jimmy McCulloch working with Paul. This all happened before Junior's Farm. Um, and one and song with the next uh, Wings drummer. Denny with, um, yeah, well, that was the first Wings drummer. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. on Leave It. Yeah, exactly. So, so a lot of Wings on there. <laughs> yep. So what do you guys think, uh, for those of you that have heard it, Joe, you said you haven't heard it yet? No, I haven't heard it. And uh, I've been hearing all these great things that you've just said, like a Lost Wings album. Paul is uh, featured everywhere on it. Uh, Linda, I mean, it's something I definitely have to check out. I mean, I'm convinced. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I haven't heard it. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet. Okay. You, Tom? Yeah, it's this was an album that I really didn't care for the first time I heard it some years back didn't see what all the you know what McCartney fans liked about this album but as I listened to it and gave it more chances I I'm really appreciating this uh, more now and especially since this remaster I, I have you know an old vinyl copy that was kind of beat up so I you know didn't the sound quality wasn't really that great but man what a great job with this remaster it sounds perfect and it sounds like it was just recorded yesterday it's it's really really a wonderful remaster you know the voice uh comes out crystal clear and all the instrumentation is is right out in front of you and uh just a great sounding record really good yeah mm -hmm. i've actually spent all my time listening to the bonus cd oh that that's the a bonus lot of tracks yeah, so yeah. i haven't heard the remaster yet but i've been listening okay. to the bonus tracks but yeah. there's a lot of worthwhile stuff on there for anyone that doesn't know there's a lot right. of songs that that mike released as singles Mm -hmm. in uh, 1973 there's a couple songs that were actually recorded at apple studios right and um even there's a song all the whales in the ocean which was a song in 1980 which is really nice right. some really good stuff there as well as different versions uh of songs from the mcgear album uh there's right. an extended version of leave it yeah that's pretty cool yeah. And uh, and like you said, those bonus tracks. I mean, I, he's a really good singer. I mean, those bonus tracks are mm. some really nice singing on them. You know, I was kind of surprised. I mean, because I don't really care for all of the singing that he does on the McGear album, but um, I was really impressed with those bonus tracks. Yeah. 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 I wanted to comment here. I'm I'm showing a comment on screen here from uh, from a, a loyal viewer, uh, Richard, who said, "I just bought on vinyl." don't get it to be honest that was my initial reaction to it when i listened to it i mean it's it is it's very quirky you know mm. it's a quirky album it's a kind of an eccentric album but that gives it its charm um mm. i i thought i agree with you tom the remastering on this was really really stellar i mean right. it does it sounds like it could have been recorded today um mm. it's uh you know, nice, nice job on that. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, the songs are, are definitely quirky. I did like, like, Given Grease a Ride. I thought yeah, that was great a, track. Uh, yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. What Do We Really Know kind of grew on me. I didn't like mm -hmm. it initially. You know, there's some, just some very interesting uh, things. Joe, when you listen to it, I'll be really curious to, to hear what you think. You have to kind of listen to it. Yeah an open mind you know right. i'm hearing that the two of you weren't sold right away so yeah, I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll keep that in mind when, when, I, yeah. when I listen to it and, and, and is, is this a i have to admit it some people who watch my channel know if i was to tell you that i have a copy of this 
there for about a year, but just never got it on yet. Would you hold it against me? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you got a lot to listen to back there. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this but, apartment uh, is not really conducive to, yeah. to that, really. Right. I'll do better with CDs yeah. in the car. Yeah. yeah. But that guitar work on that song, uh, "What Do We Really Know?" I mean, is is great. Jimmy's guitar work throughout yes. the album is, is is really stellar. And then the song "Leave It," um, I'm I'm loving it more and more uh, mm. every time I play it. I really didn't care for that the whole saxophone bit on um, there at the first couple times that I've listened to it, but I'm really starting to appreciate now. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, but this I think was one of the better showings of a McCartney song that he gave away on the charts. Um, I think this went to number 36 in the UK, and I don't think he's. I think this is one of the higher chart songs that he's given away. Um, I think you're right. Although here in America, it didn't really do anything. Right, but in the UK, it did. But between the UK and the US, I think this is one of the better um, out uh, outings that uh, that he gave away that that charted well. Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, leave it to me. As soon as you hear it, you you, you immediately think it's a McCartney song. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, you know, his kind of melody, his kind of hooks. It's got Paul right. written all over it. And um, I actually like the horns on it, despite one of mm -hmm. our listeners just now, who, Tom Brennan, who didn't put <laughs> the horns on it. I think it really works. I love horns. I love horns. Me too. But, good. Uh, <laughs> Kit, you're right in, in using the word quirky because there's so many different styles of music on here. Yeah. And sometimes when Paul works with different people, it gives them the chance to do things that might be a little bit out of character of what you would expect. What what do we really know is a perfect example of that. There's no other song in Paul's catalog that sounds anything right. like that. Mm -hmm. There's even a moment in there that's kind of gospel-y right. in the song. And mm -hmm. um, you know, this uh, the man who found God on the moon is a is an amazing, yeah. amazing song. And towards yeah. the end of it you hear Paul screaming in the background. Right. And you just love it. <laughs> you know? there's, just, there's so many good things to say about this album. And I think for those that aren't familiar with Mike, he started off his career in a group called The Scaffold, which really combined comedy with poetry mm -hmm. and pop songs. He has a very comedic, very, um, I don't know, funny, he has a sense of humor that he applies in his lyrics in a, a song like Norton is the perfect mm -hmm. example of that, which has this kind of a marching feel to it. But um, if you listen to the lyrics, there's a lot of things on this album that are kind of funny and humorous. Right. And that's Mike's contribution going along with Paul. I'd like to know, you know, when they wrote these songs together, did they write from scratch? Was it right. really Paul's song? Or did, did Mike hand them lyrics? You know, that's, that's what I'm most curious about. Right. But, um, to work together like this, it started off just being a single for Leave It. I don't yeah. know how that evolved into a full album. Well, it's in the book but, where he talks about how uh, Paul gave the song Leave It to uh, to the, the Eastmans, the lawyers, and um, just to see what they thought of it and what they could do with it. They, they were the ones that recommend that they turn it into an album, keep going. You know, this is a really good song, make an album out of it. Hmm. Um, question I had for you, Ken, was you you had interviewed Denny Sywell no, numerous times, and have you ever asked him about his involvement um, on Actually, this album? no, but the next mm. time I do, I'll make sure that I bring this up. You know, there's yeah. so many things you could talk about with Denny Sywell. Right. And, um, you know, 
I said this on my other show that even though like the fourth and fifth members of Wings were there for about three years apiece, three to four years, Paul did so much in that span of time that, mm. you know, you've got hours and hours you can talk about with each of them, really, between the mm. albums and the tours and everything else and all the side projects. So, um, yeah, but I'll make sure the next time yeah. I talk to Danny, I'll yeah. bring that up, although he was only on the one song. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but he had already left Wings by then, by the time of this recording. So I was curious to see how he came to, you know, work on this record. Yeah. Well, I'll bring that up. And that's the other thing. Mike, uh, Mike McCartney definitely uh, was lucky that he had a pretty good backup <laughs> band, didn't they? Right. <laughs> and it's funny because in the interview and in the book, he refers to Paul as our kid. Um, for some reason, uh, don't know, don't understand why he's referring to him in the interview and in the booklet as our kid. But um, the interview on the DVD is a, is an hour long, so you get a lot of information on that. They do have the promotional video for Leave It, which is it's a fun video. Hmm. Uh, you know, ten and a half naked girl running around in the woods. So I mean, you know, what <laughs> what guy we're like that? But, uh, I can't um, wait. <laughs> It's great, yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, like you said earlier, Ken, those bonus feet, those bonus songs are, are are really cool, really good stuff. Absolutely. Aren't there two interviews with Mike on the DVD? Yeah, there's two interviews. I only watched the one. I think okay. there's one at Lipa, and then there's a one where it's an, it's like an, uh, 66 minutes long, and he just really goes. You know, it's it's pretty much his uh, career in show business. Uh, it, it really covers everything. Uh, from his time with Schofield and, and you know Mike and Magoo, if that's how you pronounce Magoo, um, and Magoo, uh, yeah, and then uh, and then the whole making of that album. So it's mm. it's uh, it's a nice interview. Okay, very good. So let's get on with our uh, main topic for the show tonight, and that is for. Well, I guess that's funny, Tom. What are you laughing at? <laughs> it's, I just can't wait to see what everybody's got to say about it. That's all. Me too. Uh, Me too. Uh, okay. We're yeah. here to talk about an album that came out in 1977 from Ringo called Ringo the Fourth. This was his follow-up album from uh, Ringo's Rotogravure the previous year. Arif Martin produced both those albums, by the way. Mm -hmm. Released on Atlantic Records here in the States on Polydor uh, in the UK. Um, and as I said before, it's um, a much maligned album, depending upon what books you read or what sources you look, you, you uh, research. There are some that will say that this is possibly the worst, not only Ringo album, but worst solo Beatles album. Right, Do not including the uh, experimental stuff. Right, so you can't talk about the early John and Yoko albums. Yeah, I wouldn't even include like the, the first two Fireman albums right. because right. that's mm -hmm. so different, you know, mm -hmm. um, or electronic sound, I think you said. So, um, do you think that this album deserves this kind of reputation? How do you feel about the album now? And, um, you know, and there's also the talk, I'll, I'll bring this up right here about the this being a disco album, which I think is a bit of a joke because um, the first song on the album, which was the first single, Drowning in the Sea of Love, is a disco version of a Joe Simon R&B classic. Mm. There isn't too much 
on the album outside of that there's there's maybe you call it disco light uh yeah. something like uh simple love song um the b-side to the singles for drowning in the sea of love and wings which was the second single is a song called just a dream which i actually think is a really strong song and that's kind of danceable but most of the album is not so every mm -hmm. time that i keep hearing this is a disco album i think it's a joke to call it that there's some touches of it especially on drowning in the sea of love but i wouldn't call it that but anyway uh kid let's start with you Okay, and first of all, uh, we were talking about this just before the, the show, and I just wanted to, to mention it again, uh, that, um, you know, when we talk about is it disco and everything, you know, I've got nothing against disco, and I think all of us feel the same yeah. way. I mean, right. Yeah, I have nothing against it. I mean, you know, sure, there was some bad uh, disco in the 70s, but there's bad everything, you know, and so I just, I never bought into the disco sucks crap and that, all that. I just, I, I really uh, don't like it. So when we talk about is this a disco album, that's not putting it down, you right. know, it really is. So, I, so just just to clarify that. Okay. Um, You're getting you know, a virtual hug from me. Okay. <laughs> right for saying that. All right. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, to me, the album is, is a bit of a time capsule. Um, you know, not only musically in terms of that there's disco, maybe disco influenced songs is the way to say it. They're not, you know, it's not the Bee Gees. I mean, it's, you know, it's not Saturday Night Fever. But, um, you know, it's, it's also a, a snapshot of Ringo during this time. I mean, this is mm. Ringo in, in kind of a, you know, a party. He's, you know, he kind of comes off in this album. He's, you know, partying. He's kind of a playboy uh, hitting the clubs. I mean, you know, and, and that kind of uh, hitting the clubs and everything was a bit of his life at the time. I mean, mm. in the late 70s in L.A. and all, I mean, he was you know, as we all know, uh, partying. And, and so, you know, to me, this, this album reflects that in a way in, in terms of its sound and its, its subject matter and the, even the cover, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, as I said, it's, it's like a, a, a time capsule for me. Um, and we'll get into all the specifics in a minute, but just overall, is this one of his best? No. For sure, it's it's. Uh, there are some things on here that I kind of wondered why in the world would Martin <laughs> included it. I, I I just can't understand. But some of the other tracks, you know, like Drowning in the Sea of Love, I thought that was a great cover. I, mm. I mean, you know, and Martin really, uh, I think, produced it. Uh, pretty well. I mean, I think, you know, on many of the tracks, not all, you know, kind of, you know, kind of. Uh, create sort of a cushion for Ringo's voice with uh, the arrangements. And also I thought actually it was well-produced, um, hmm. but, but yes, um, uneven to say the least. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get back to that thought later on. Uh, let's go with you, Joe. Oh, okay, Ken. Uh, <laughs> a lot of what kids, kids said, I, I would agree with the disco thing. Um, my feeling of it is, well, I wasn't wild about disco at the time, I guess. I've come to like it a lot, especially, in my opinion, with the crap we have today. Disco is great. <laughs> Just that stuff. Uh, but uh, I, I like disco uh, now. But the thing is, I think it's, besides the danceability, it's a dancing album. You know, it's not disco in the sense of that. You're not 
going to dance along with it's not Casey and the Sunshine Band or mm-hmm. something like that. But I think you know you have the female singers in the back with their ooh, you got Melissa Manchester among them, and right. Ben Midler I, I think is on uh, a couple of tracks. That whole feeling to me, and like like Kit said, uh, the time capsule. You know, uh, that's what I feel. It's like we have something here from '77, the disco era, really right at the heart of it. Beatle-wise, it's pushing it a little bit. It's disco light, like you said. But what else do we have aside from maybe "Good Night Tonight," "Daytime Nighttime Suffering"? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I like that. There's something to kind of take care of that period. We have something disco-y from uh-huh. Ringo. And uh, my feeling is, uh, I actually have grown to like, because I mean, I didn't love it when I first heard it, uh, like half the songs. I can find five, maybe six songs that I really like here. Uh, with Kit, is it his best album? No, it's not his best album. Uh, I would put it near the bottom of the, of the uh, if we're ranking from top tier, middle tier, bottom tier. But I have at least one album that I personally like less this album, which I would contend Ringo's worst album, and you know, uh, shall we? Yeah, <laughs> not, not many fans agree, but some do. Is split old wave. Uh, I'm not big on old wave. I, I, all I mean by that is I enjoy actually more songs off Ringo the Fourth than I do off of old wave. Um, Drowning in the Sea of Love. I mean, I've been mentioning that. I love that. The fact that Ringo sings these. Now, maybe not his, it's not his best singing on most tracks, I wouldn't say. But I think that works to an advantage in a song like Drowning in the Sea of Love. It's about uh, somebody, like Kit mentioned, the period where uh, Ringo is boozing a lot. You know, this is, you know, he's been sober now for over 30 years. But back then he was partying all the time and drinking a lot and indulging. And it sounds like a guy that's kind of like, you know, shouting the song. And he's maybe he's had a few too many. And the, yep. the, the promo film video, if you like, that goes with this really, I think, accompanies that feeling. It really works for the song. I love that, that, that promo film, that video. Uh, I, I just think it really encapsulates the whole feel of it, his voice and everything. If, if, if Ringo was at his best game, singing it at his best when he can, maybe I wouldn't, wouldn't enjoy the song as much. I kind of think it suits the song, that one. And there's a whole bunch of other tracks, uh, you know, if you want to go through them I don't know how you want to do it. I could single out tracks, or we can you can sure. them up later. Uh, well, stuff like Wings, for example. I love the song Wings. Uh, I think the song itself is one of my favorite Ringo solo songs of all uh, that we wrote with Vinnie Poncia. But the thing is, I prefer the I think the Ringo 2012 version. I think I it, it was really yeah. enhanced. Yeah. I agree. On that. There's a little more um, oomph to it, I think. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah, little harder, little, bit, a little harder of a rocker. Yeah. And I think you got Joe Walsh on guitar on, on the 2012 version, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody who's somebody's playing a good, nice guitar on, on there. Uh, it's a lot so, more drumming. There's a lot more drumming from Ringo on there. More drumming. It's on, a little, the newer little slightly faster. Yeah. Then you have like Tango All Night. Now, that's an example of a song that has like a, a fun Latin feel to it. Right. Uh, I enjoy it. I'm listening to it in the car. My girlfriend also is, is like, you know, I'd rather listen to this than anything today. Is it anything <laughs> great? Nothing. I don't think any of the songs here are songs that I would call great songs, even maybe even good songs, but they're enjoyable all the same. Uh, not among his best, but it's stuff that I have a good time with. There's a song, Gave It All Up. Right. Uh, just to show that I'm trying to be 
even-handed here, and, and my you know criticism as well as some praise. I like the song "Gave It All Up." I think the, the, the lyrics are nice, but there's this, a, a, a time where I think Ringo's voice really sounds kind of shot. He sounds like he's really in the midst of a of a drunk in that one. It's put mm. it mildly, mm. <laughs> not too mildly, perhaps. I don't know. I, 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 I just think his voice is poor on that. Can she do it like she dances? Is a lot of fun. You know, yeah. again, right from that period of Ringo having uh, drinking and living it up in the bars and everything, energetic, that song. I like the cover of Sneaking Sally Through the Alley. Yes. Uh, Pretty funky. I just, I, I, have a, I have a good time with that one. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm listing my songs here. You know, some uh, are hit for me, some are miss, none are great. Uh, but uh, I like it better than Old Wave. You know, I'd rather listen to this. Oh, you've okay. got some you got some people disagreeing with you, Joe. <laughs> oh, I, haven't been, I haven't been able to read it at the time. Yep, whatever. yep these are, uh, yeah, we got a couple of Old Wave fans here, so uh, that, that might not be a future show. <laughs> I don't know what you're listening, what, you, what you're hearing. <laughs> they can say the same about me. Yeah. I'll, take, I'll, take she's, I'll take she's about a mover any day from Old Wave. Yeah. Maybe in my car, and maybe, uh, what's the other one, Hopeless. Hopeless is great. Good. <laughs> as far as we show. can go is a great song from there mm. as far as we can go it's a ballad yeah, it's a, yeah the ballad yeah, yeah yeah i don't mean to i'm bringing that album up now i don't want to derail yeah. okay the show. <laughs> yep that'll be tom. a future one <laughs> tom let's hear your thoughts all right well you know to be as positive as possible i mean i know we say worst but i don't like the worst i like to say maybe least popular or least favorite i mean because there ultimately there's got to be a least favorite i mean no matter you know, yes. how you look at it unfortunately but you got you know kit and joe you talked about his 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 you know mid to mid seven or mid to late 70s early 80s there is a fine line between having a good time and just outright you know you know, addiction. And unfortunately, if you look at, if you Google search images, Ringo Starr in that period, I mean, he does not look like he's, you know, a healthy person at that time. So, and I think, unfortunately, it reflects on this album for me, vocally, and a little bit on the on the, the written, uh, the songwriting um, on this album. Now, Vinny and, and, and Ringo, they've, they've been writing since what, Ring, uh, the Ringo album. Mm -hmm. I think that's where they started their partnership. And you know, I, I you know, um, oh my my, I think is a is a great song, and you can tell that both parties are are into it. And then the stuff that they did on uh, on on um, uh, Goodnight Vienna is is good. I like the you know, ooh wee, oh, and, yeah. uh, and, and uh, you know, crying is a pretty good song as well. Um, but <clears throat> I think the writing on this on this particular album I, is just okay. I, I don't think it's some of their best. And unfortunately, for me, this this song suffer or this this album suffers in in the singing department. It just, I mean, if you got like like you said, Joe. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe that you know that drunkenness uh, vocal on you know the uh, the first song, "Drowning in the Sea of Love," works for that song. Just like I think Paul's raw voice for early days works for that song. You know, mm -hmm. I'm glad he didn't go back and redo that. But you know, babe, but I think that's it. You know, I think he sounds like he's suffering. Um, to to get the, the the vocals out while he's screaming during can she do it like she dances even though that's my favorite song on the album <clears throat> excuse me but however 
production-wise, I mean, Kit, you said producing. I think it's it's a great um, producing job. I think uh, talent-wise on this album, we got a you know well-known name in Davis David Spinoza, who does some great uh, work on this album. Um, Joe, you had mentioned Bette Midler and Melissa Manchester. You can also mm. throw in Luther Vandross. Yeah, um, right. You know, on this album as well, uh, great backing singers. You know, and and um, Arif, is that how you pronounce his? Uh, yeah, I mean, he won two uh, Grammys with you won a Grammy with Melissa Mancha or Melissa, and he won a Grammy with Bette Miller. So I mean, he's he's got talent. I mean, and it shows, uh, you know, production wise on this album. So there's there's some good, really good stuff on this on this album. Uh, like you said, Wings. I'm glad he redid that because I just yeah. don't think it really has the, you know, the oomph. If they would have done this. On, on Ringo or on Goodnight Vienna, I think this song would have been, you know, great if he had, because he really, you know, he left that, that his, his, his mold or his theory or you know, production where he had all his friends coming up and helping him mm. on those albums, you know, right. on those first three, you know, regular uh, Ringo albums. And, um, and I got to tell you, and I'm also, I give him credit for, you know, honing his writing skills and, and working more with the writing. I think that's, that was a nice step for him in the right direction. Um, I just don't think he was in the right place at the at this time to to make a good album uh, personally in his life. So, but um, I unfortunately do consider this his, my least favorite Ringo album. But it was good coming back to it and listening to it again because you know my 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 mind <laughs> might change like it like it like it does you know so many times you know <laughs> so um, but yeah I mean it's 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 yeah, I'm sorry. Wait, but but... Can I say one thing before, before I forget? Yeah. Before I forget, and yeah. I did forget. Um, yeah. Drowning in the Sea of Love. I have a friend of mine. You know, he he loves the Beatles, and he's got the Sirius XM channel. And I'm always saying they don't play enough deep solo cuts there. And he keeps mm -hmm. telling me these songs that come up, and he's like, you know, I. I, I like this song and that song and it's a couple of Ringos he liked and I said what are they? He goes oh one of them was Drowning in the Sea of Love because mm. I loved I loved it. I said yeah. really that I mean yeah. I was impressed because of all songs it wasn't like it was Oh My My or right. or, or Snooker well or something like like that right. you yeah. know and uh, he also said uh, Las Bri Las Brias Las Brias uh, Las Brias I'm sorry yeah uh, which is another album but uh, I was like I was impressed what that has to do with anything. Just another yeah. point for drowning in the sea of love, but I was surprised. it shocked me because yeah. I never would expect. It. And he's like, and then he's, he he has to see the video. He can't wait to see the video, and he's right. looking for it. So, <laughs> and, and, and go. <laughs> okay. Well, um, my opinion of the album, I got a lot. Of, well, actually, good. Oh, yeah. just one more thing. Um, the one song that I've really come to love after listening to this album a couple times in the last two weeks is uh, Gypsies in Flight. Uh, ah, I think I was going to mention that. There's yeah. an excellent song, and I love the musicianship on that song. There's some great um, uh, slide guitar. Is that what I mean? Is that what it is? Or uh, just great guitar work throughout that song. Uh -huh. And um, and I think it's one of the better tracks on on the album. I, li I like the way that part is sung. Gypsies and the mm -hmm. Gypsies. I'm not going to sing Gypsy, the Gypsies and <laughs> the Flight part. I like. I, well, I like you might be able to do it better than him. At the, uh, but anyway. <laughs> well, and and also, and I swear, Ken will let you talk. <laughs> Keep going. We still have time. Yeah. Time. <laughs> um, but but I just want to mention, you know, Tom, you were saying how he, you know, you felt Ringo didn't really sound, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, into it. Um, right. And 
the mm. track. And I think it's important to think about, you know, when he was recording this album, he, of course, before it recorded Ringo's Rotogravure, and, you know, it didn't do you know, didn't do well. And so his record label, I think at the time was saying to him, you know, look, we get, we need a yeah. hit here. And of course it's 1977 height of the disco era. And so right. I think he was pressured into in, at least incorporating, you know, more contemporary kind of, uh, kind of sounds, which, um, you know, I, I think, um, that explains, you know, sometimes his, his lack of uh, enthusiasm, and even something like "It's No Secret," um, mm. which I kind of like. Um, and, uh-huh. But it's it's very like a soft rock, '70s soft rock sound. So I mean, you right, can tell right. he's you know, like I could picture Nicolette Larson or somebody doing this. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh-huh. it, he's Ambrosia. really yeah, right. It's, I mean, he's trying to. And again, I'm not saying this to put him down, but uh, but I think that was part of it that he was pressured into incorporating these you know contemporary sounds to, to have a hit. And you know, I don't think he was comfortable doing mm. that on every song, to say the least. Right. Mm. You've all made some great points here. Um, where do I even start? <laughs> let, me, let me start by saying that um, I've always said that I would never consider any solo Beatle album, we're not talking about the experimental stuff, as we said before, to be a bad album. A bad album to me is an album where I don't like half or more of the songs. I would never say that about any solo Beatle album. On this particular album, there's only one song that I don't care for, and that's Out on the Streets, mm. where I think Ringo's vocals are not all that great. I don't think mm. it's that great a song. But I do think that he works very well with a, with a disco record and Drowning in the Sea of Love. And I, I found that really interesting, what you said, Joe, about the fact that if his voice didn't sound that way, right. <laughs> you know, that really helped the record. And you can say the same thing about it, it when he dances, you know. But I, um, agree with the I do think that this should be looked upon, actually, as a very significant album in Ringo's career for the simple reason that out of the 10 songs on here, six yeah. songs he co-wrote. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, he never wrote that much on any of his albums. The songs that he wrote with Vinnie Poncia from Ringo, Goodnight Vienna, and Rota Gravure, there's like two or three songs apiece. This mm-hmm. is six out of ten, plus the B-side, Just a Dream, he co-wrote mm-hmm. with Vinnie Poncia. So, and I happen to like all those songs, except, like I said, on, Out on the Street. Um, Wings, I think, was a really solid tune. I really like the original a lot. I don't know if the, the newer version's better. It does have more oomph to it, like you said. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit edgier to me, the original, I like. But I thought it was a really good song, solid song. Um, gave it all up is Excuse actually. Excuse me for my... a minute. He's got a little bit. He's got. Excuse me for a minute. He's got a little because I can't see you right now on the screen. Uh, he's got a little bit of a growl, and I like. Even Ringo does that lion thing. Lion, the strength of a lion. <laughs> I love when he does that. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, but uh, by the same token, there are times when he'll improvise at the end of the song, and it it's funny and it works. Like at the end of "Can She Do It Like She Dances" or "Sneaking Sally Through the Alley," where are you going in the alley with that Sally? Right. You know, <laughs> and it's funny, but it, it 
does work for those songs. Gave It All Up is one of my favorite solo Ringo songs, period. It's a beautiful melody. It's very melancholy. Uh, mixing that with the harmonica in the song yeah, really works so, very well. Yeah, yeah. And like we've been talking about, this was party time for Ringo. This is a perfect song that a guy could sing in a bar. <laughs> lifting up his mug saying i gave it all up for you having <laughs> trouble in in his past life whether it was school or his girlfriend or something it's a perfect song for that but like you said tom not great vocals on gave it all up but it's a it's a great song it really right. is and the whole arrangement yeah, I like the of song, it better, is better than the vocal i like the song yeah right tango all night sometimes i think with that latin feel maybe a little bit of the no-no song makes yeah. me think of that a little bit very well arranged on that song i like can she do it like she dances again not a great vocal but mm. uh you know like you said joe works with that kind of vocal like yeah. he's been partying coming right out of the bar this is what i sound like um yeah. Sally through the alley is, is really a very good cover of the song i know mm. that version better than the robert palmer one which is the one that most people say is more the definitive version of that song mm. i've never heard that, i've never heard it oh yeah. guys i'm sorry the Robert Palmer. <laughs> I mean, he's backed by the meters. Come on. Okay. <laughs> that is pure funk right there. Uh, yeah, you're 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 in you're in kids' territory right now, Ken. So <laughs> okay. We can all differ in our opinions here. Yeah. I think the arrangement for Sneak and Sally worked really well. Mm -hmm. You know, in most cases when Ringo covers a song, you know, they've all been pretty good. Except for where did our love go, which was <laughs> abysmal. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. but then the last three songs on the album are choice cuts. I mm. really love "It's No Secret," and you can mm. call it soft rock, adult contemporary. But it's a beautiful song. I think it's uh, like a lost gem mm. from Ringo's catalog. Ringo has this knack for writing very simple melodies that work mm. very well. And I wouldn't say that a lot of these songs are great songs but they're memorable songs. And after several listens, they stick in your brain and they're worthwhile to listen to. It's No Secret is one of those songs for me. Gypsies in Flight, back to back with that, two very soft songs work together extremely well. Again, Ringo, he has his own style as a songwriter, regardless of who he writes with. You always know, like if you, if you were presented with a song from uh, you know, a different singer, and you, you were told one is a John Lennon song, one's a Paul McCartney song, one's a George Harrison song, one's a Ringo song, but it wasn't any of them singing it. You could tell from the song composition who would be the writer. And you could tell Ringo has his own style. It's simple, yet it's effective. Right. And I do think Simple Love Song and Gypsies in Flight are really strong songs. And actually, the song that closed the album, Simple Love Song, I really would have voted for that as a single. I really thought that was a very catchy song. And the way that it starts at the very beginning with those strings and the pounding of, I guess it's piano, kind of reminds me a little bit of Philadelphia Freedom. A little bit, mm. if you think about it. But mm. again, a very simple melody. It's a simple love song and it works. Right. Now, I think sometime in the future, what would be a great topic for us <laughs> would be to discuss why Right after Goodnight Vienna, everything plummeted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Torpedoed yeah. for Ringo. Right. 
I mean, would you would you say that Ringo's Rotogavure is that much weaker than Goodnight Vienna? You know, I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily. It's just a matter of opinion. But yeah. why did that happen? I mean, Ringo no, I had that, the I, I, books, Yeah, I think but, uh, Goodnight Vienna has some strong. I mean, arguably, subjectively, some stronger songs on it. Uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, I like Ringo's. I'm coming to like Ringo's Rotogavure a lot more too. It's another one. This whole later '70s period, I'm beginning to enjoy more. Maybe right. because I put it aside so much. Uh -huh. uh, but just to answer that question, not do a whole show on it. I was thinking, you got such strong. I mean, you have No No Song, you have Only You, you have Good Night Vienna. Snookaroo. I mean, there's so there's yes, a lot of real, yeah. you know, really good songs on there. Not that I don't like some of the ones on Rotogravure, because I do. But this is a good time just to say uh, something that I wanted to say is that, um, you know. Maybe this is a cop-out. People have told me it is. But when I'm listening to Ringo, I, I always say, this is Ringo. I'm listening to a Ringo record, you know? Right. And Ringo's yeah. the court jester, happy-go-lucky Ringo. We love Ringo. Hey, you know, light and fun and schmaltzy. So I have a different mindset when I listen to it. And I can enjoy it as that because it's Ringo. You know what I mean? Uh, I wouldn't expect the same out of John or Paul or George. I'm not looking for the same thing. And uh, there's... You know, some Ringo that I can enjoy just because it's, it's him. Would I recommend this album to anybody, just a, a person out there? No way. <laughs> yeah. I would say do not play this record. Well, but, see, uh, I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit there, Joe. I would never tell anybody not to listen to any of these records. I think it's up to, I mean, especially even if these people, even if these, you know, the four got a bad review from like a well-known critic, you know, or a writer, you know, I still say if you like what, if you like Paul, if you like George, you like Ringo or John, listen to it and you make up your own mind whether or not you like it or not. I just don't think we as people that are, you know, do this or come on, you know, and talk about them should be the ones that say, hey, look, don't listen to it. No, I think you, people should oh, no, listen no. to these songs and then make up their mind you know, whether or not they like it or not. It's just, right. just my way of saying, I think, you know, for, uh, you know, a Beatles fan, Ringo fan, I could understand. I mean, there's some Beatles fans that when somebody just, I think Dara just said, I'm way, mm -hmm. her, way behind yeah. uh, guys. Right. You know, some mm -hmm. people don't even, I know Beatles fans that don't even count Ringo. Right. You know, it's just yeah, too bad. It's a crime. Yeah. Now, I, I have a, a question uh, from Richard. He's asked this a couple of times, so I want to get to this because it is an interesting question, which yeah. is, is a curious question. When was the last time before you guys had to prepare for this show that all of you had played this album? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, and it, it does. Last, yeah, last year. I, I yeah, bought I it on vinyl. Yeah, I bought it on vinyl a year ago and I, I listened to it about a year ago. Yeah. You got to realize, right? Uh, I do a show, Every Little Thing, where I play right. music from any of the decades yeah. of the Beatles group and solo. So at any given time, I could play a cut from here. So it's it's never far away. These days, this is why, for me personally, with my YouTube channel, I mean, uh, I, I actually did a review on this about, I want to say, a year or two ago. Uh, I'm revamping my review, so that it's down now. It's not up anymore. But I'm mm. going to be doing them all again. Uh, but I find these days, this is the kind of album in the catalog for me personally I'm looking to reach for. I, you know, I, I've heard Band on the Run, Imagine, you know, uh, you know, in the Beatles' whole catalog. I want to hear right. something a little more different that's that's not really ingrained into, you know, my brain so much. Right. So that's why I, I think this was a good idea to go back and, you know, and check out this album. And, you know, it doesn't deserve all the, you know, the criticism that it got 
you know, at the beginning when it first came out and, and all throughout. I mean, I know when I first started, you know, becoming a Beatles fan and solo Beatles fan, I had a lot of older relatives and a lot of older people to say, hey, I mean, you don't need to listen to this album. You don't need to listen to that album. Just go with these these albums. And throughout the years, as I was listening to the albums that I was told not to, I found myself really enjoying those albums. So mm. and that's why I say you should never tell anybody, you know, not to listen to it. At least give it a shot and come up with your, you know, your own opinion. Uh, yeah, and and uh, and actually, um, Tom, this is sort of saying, uh, playing off what you were saying. Uh, another one of our loyal viewers, Mark, said it's not an album I've given much time to, but after listening to you four, I'll definitely be giving it a closer listen. And I think that's cool. it. Because for me, uh, you know, it had been quite a while since I'd listened to this. This is just not one of those albums that I pull out a lot and, and listen. Right. You know, it just isn't. So cool. it was a, a great opportunity to to listen to this because, as I said, it you can listen to it as as you know a time capsule. And yes, some of the songs have dated better than others, uh, for sure. Um, but it's it's an in, you know it's an interesting period in his in his life and in his career. And and I think it's interesting how we've talked about how, and it's true that on this album he wrote more songs on it. So right. while was going through this difficult period in his personal life in his professional life he was you know trying new things which is you know kind of kind of interesting you know one right. of the joys one of the joys for me in following the beatles especially in recent years has been following what ringo has been doing and especially how, how he's grown as a songwriter which yeah. so many fans completely overlook i mean ever since the album vertical man which he worked on with Mark Hudson and the Roundheads. He has co-written almost every single song on his albums. And so right. many people are completely unaware of it. But if you follow the progress he made through the years, he only wrote a couple songs in the Beatles, Octopus right. Garden, Don't Pass Me By, then a few songs with George Harrison. Then he wrote, you know, it's like more than a dozen songs with Vinnie Ponzi in the 70s. Vinnie's very important in the story of Ringo Starr, as far as I'm concerned. Then on right. to Joe Walsh, you know. Sorry. No, you know, no, but, but to see the progress, I'm sorry, I don't mean to do that, but it's yeah. hard because I sometimes like say I don't see everybody's image. Um, yeah. I like this question? question that Hector said though: Could Ringo succeed in this era and top the charts? For me personally, I th I would want to say no, but I think country. I think he could do good on the country charts. Maybe now I don't know about regular. Uh, <laughs> Paul, if Paul wasn't able to do it, I, I don't know about Ringo. <laughs> No, but do you, do you mean the singles charts or the album charts? Because they're two completely yeah. different animals. If you're talking about top 40 singles, no top 40 station today is going to play a Ringo Starr song because right. of age. They have a specific demographic that they're shooting for, which is why they don't play Paul McCartney's music. Yeah. And, you know, we can argue this point time and time again, and we will. <laughs> you know, there's so much stuff yeah. that they've done in recent years that if it was released in the 70s, would have been hits. So it's really not the quality of the music. It's just that, you know, radio is a different animal now. Radio used to be the primary way that people went and bought records. Now there's so many ways you can discover music. I don't know if radio is as important as it used to be, but this has been the animal that radio has been for the longest time. Top 40 radio has always had a young demographic and the people who program it, once an artist reaches a certain age or so, they start to phase those artists out. It happens with everybody. It's not just Paul and Ringo. It's every veteran artist out there. But one of the, and I, this is, I don't want to 
run this show too long. One of the things that I've noticed, especially in the wake of the success of Egypt Station, debuting at number one, here you have a veteran artist who everyone has heard of. He's done this massive promotion, gotten very little airplay, certainly is not going to get played to a young demographic. He debuts at number one because of everything that he's done in terms of the promotion. But then the album completely plummets. It right. just go, stay, yeah. goes right up the charts. And the same thing just happened to Madonna, who hasn't been played on Top 40 radio at all for quite a while. Whatever your thoughts are about Madonna, you know, it's irrelevant. But, um, you know, she debuted at number one with her album, and then it dropped in the 70s the next week. So yeah, all the yeah. people who care about it go out and buy it. Well, so that yeah. is success in a way because it still debuts at number one. But because right. of radio and the way they handle these artists, um, that's why they're not on the charts for, for that one. Right. Yeah. Plus, you got the diehards that are going to get it that first week. Right. Yeah. You know, and, it, and if there's two or three different versions, you can be sure that us diehards are going to probably get, you know, one or two of those of those different versions. Um, you know, so. And also, I think one of the other problems too with this album was it's 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 been out of print for a long time. I mean, I mean, not not a lot of people remember that you can you know go on YouTube and listen to it on YouTube um, for a long time. Longest time you can only find this on like a, a used record place, and, and if you had the you know, and that's how I got it was you know I went to my local record store and I picked up a used copy. Yeah. You know, so and there were a lot know. of a lot of cutouts of this album, the cutout right. bits. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's interesting we're talking about charting. You know, I just wrote notes that. Uh, on Billboard in the U.S., it made number 162 on the top 200. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it didn't chart in, in England. But it's interesting when you think of uh, like something, a really good album, a really great album, I think. Time Takes Time sadly right. didn't chart at all. You know, how do you, how do you figure these things? Different times, different way they go through the charts. It's... Now I'll give you a virtual hug, Joe, because <laughs> time takes time. It's one of one of my favorite uh, Ringo albums, and somebody else. And I apologize; it's way down the list, so I can't scroll down too far. But uh, someone else said that too. That time time takes time is awesome. Should have been a much bigger hit. Get off my I head. think he's, I think he does a <laughs> I think he does a great job now. He's out there on Twitter. He's on Instagram. He's he's posting you know himself out there, making sure that you know. People know he's still around, you know, so I think that part's that part's good. Um, you know, he's always, you know, showing, posting a picture of him in the studio doing, you know, some songs or whatnot. So I, I think he's doing it right there. I just don't think there's enough people that unfortunately, you know, care. And, I, you know, and hopefully, you know, we've uh, shed a little light on this album and people will go back and, and give it a give it another spin. Another also, a number of people in the comments have been saying that. So good. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Ringo tours, he doesn't he doesn't play yeah, the material exactly. all that much, if right. at all. So that that also hurts the sales. Yeah, exactly. and then he and then he pokes fun at it, saying, you know, you're one of the two people that bought it, <laughs> you know, which is which is sad because he does put a lot of effort behind his albums, especially since time takes time. Right. But um, just want to read one quick uh, message here from Bernardo Arredondo. He says, Ringo the Fourth for me is a masterpiece. Wow. Because of the production and Ringo writes a lot with Poncia. Mm -hmm. So nice to see very positive comments. I like what you mm -hmm. were saying, Tom. You know, we encourage everybody to think independently. Don't mm -hmm. just read a review and agree with what the writer says. Right. And you can listen to what we have to say. And, uh, you know, you can agree with us, you can disagree with us, but form your own yeah. opinion. Yeah. As listen George to it would first. say, yeah. think mm -hmm. for yourself. 
You know, I want to clarify that. That springboarded off something I said. I don't get me wrong. I mean, I always believe everybody should have their individual opinion. You know, don't don't go by a, a critic or right. uh, all the fans yeah. unanimously think this most more or less. Uh, but I was just saying that I don't think, you know, I don't think I would say I, still they may love it, but I wouldn't like tell the guy I work with this. I mean, you got to hear this. Ringo the fourth album. I, I don't think I would. Uh, and even and you know, and I feel nothing. But even if I people ask me on my channel all the time, what do you? What, I want to start with Ringo. What do you recommend? And I always say, well, other than you know the best of Ringo, I always right. say, uh, well, Ringo, self-titled album, and Time Takes Time. That's right. a good place to start. That's what I say. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't tell them uh, listen to you know. Uh, Ringo the Fourth first or something like that. That's Although, exactly what I Yeah, I wouldn't tell you know what I mean. a newbie to listen to that first. Yeah, they I can work say. their way to up to up to right. that or down to exactly. that, depending on how you look at. It, how you're I, I gotcha. At it. Yep. But and I say, I, sure, you have to make up your own mind. Like you said, somebody may listen to it and say, uh, "Who is this Ringo guy? This is great." <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> well, well, and. Yeah, and Steve Sanderson, a very loyal viewer of ours, hi Steve, said he wants to see a Bad Boy episode soon. So yeah, I like Bad Boys. Do that. One they of the most underrated to... of all albums. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when we do that episode, I'm going to have a drink in my hand and I'm going to do the whole, whole show like he does on the cover. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Uh, anyway, some uh, great comments here. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've always said all the solo Beatle albums have worthwhile material on it. That's true. If you really yep. take the time and listen, and don't just listen to an album yeah. once or twice, give it yeah. several listens, give it a chance, you'll find that there's some songs on every album that you're going to like. And I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for me to believe. No, I wouldn't start a Ringo. I wouldn't start somebody on Ringo the Fourth of all, all of his albums. But if you like a lot of what Ringo did in the Beatles, if you like... It don't come easy if you like oh my my to me how much of a difference is simple love song or wings from right. those from those right. songs it's hard for me to to envision people not liking it not liking those songs and liking those other songs so anyway so why don't we close by uh giving everybody our contact information and letting everyone know what we're doing mm -hmm. how about you kit we'll start with you uh, well, my, uh, you, of course, can uh, find me at uh, kiddotool.com, and uh, my uh, Deep Beatles and Deep uh, Soul columns are coming back soon. I'm also starting a new uh, series for Culture Sonar. Uh, where I'm talking about, uh, it's a series about R&B songs that really helped form the bait, like the basis of, of rock and roll. And uh, the first one I'm that'll be uh, published hopefully next month is Rocket 88. Uh, I take an in-depth look at that. So oh. yeah, really looking forward uh, to this series. Also, um, the I'm sure many of you have heard there's an Abbey Road conference that's uh, coming up in September. And uh, it's going to be at um, the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. Uh, I'm going to be presenting there. There are going to be a lot of other presenters. Uh, and the details for registration just went up, and I'm showing the uh, web address right now. And uh, so go over there. It's it's like the, I think it's the 27th through the 29th uh, of September. So go over there. You can register right now and um, hope to see you there. Okay, very good. Joe, how about you? 
Well, I have my YouTube channel, Mean Mr. Mayo. Uh, you might have heard of a guy, Mean Mr. Mustard. Brother, <laughs> no, Mr. Mayo. not at all. <laughs> yeah, you learn something new every day, right? So there you go. And, uh, you know, I do reviews here and there. I uh, talk about different Beatle topics. I also have live chats, which is a lot like what we're doing here now, and people can participate. All you'd have to do is uh, click on the notification, and then you'd know when I'm live. It'll give you a little alert. And we can have discussions like this all over the place, so different uh, solo Beatles topics, Beatles topics, and other things too. If you want to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we'll talk about that too. Anything. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I, I love uh, joining in on your uh, live chats. Me too. Yeah, I, I love it. I've got it. I keep missing, doing I, that. Sorry, I keep missing kids though. Kid keeps having these live chats. <laughs> <laughs> they're on my uh, Facebook page. <laughs> All right, Tom. How about you? Well, Oh, thank you, Ken. Well, first, let's talk about uh, this show, Talk More Talk. Uh, as always, um, you can find us on our email, talkmoresolotalk uh, at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at talkmoretalk1. I believe that's what it is. Um, if you if you like what you see, you know, we, we tell other people, let them know to, uh, to check out our Facebook page, Talk More Talk. Uh, like the page, and then that's when they'll get the information when we'll be live. As as Ken said at the beginning of the uh, the show, we are a bi-monthly or bi-weekly. Uh, is that how you pronounce how you should say it? Uh, bi-monthly, bi-weekly show. Bi We're every yeah, bi-weekly show. We're here every every other Monday. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing it, and we love everybody's comments. So please uh, keep them coming. We love to hear from you. And uh, you know, as uh, we did uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, somebody suggested a show and or a topic, and we uh, and we ran with it. And uh, you know, we'd love to hear other people's uh, suggestions. So yeah, send your ideas. We really yeah, you know, we welcome yeah, them. Keep, keep them coming. Um, for me, for um, uh, for two legs, we're on a little uh, summer break right now. But you can email us at two legs podcast at gmail.com. You can go to uh, Podbean. That's where you'll find our shows. Uh, go to Podbean, type in two legs, and you'll find all of our past shows. I will be doing another vinyl uh, corner a video, if you want to call it that, uh, probably a couple days after the Linda McCartney Wide Prairie album comes out this Friday. I'll give it a listen, and uh, we'll talk about all the stuff. That, what a month for July. I mean, we had all this Paul <laughs> stuff. We had, you know, we had the Ringo Road of Regeer come out. Now we got the McGear, and then now, you know, on Friday we'll have uh, Wide Prairie. So what a great month for um, – for you know, vinyl and CD collecting, and just what a great time all together for all of this Beatle and solo stuff. I mean, it's yeah, it's hurting the wallet, but <laughs> it's, it's just I'm a just great time. I, I love it. I love it very much. So so yeah, that's what we got going on. And you know, Ken, back to you. Yeah, with more releases to come. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure come mid uh, early August we'll have the uh, the Abbey Road uh, uh, release to talk about too. Yeah. That's one thing that I think surprises people who are not really big Beatle fans is how much news there really is uh, <laughs> on a week-by-week basis, you know? Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, working with Steve Marinucci, he, for every day he was posting oh. some kind of news, you know? Yeah. And let me interrupt real quick. Congratulations on episode 300 of Things We Said Today. I meant to say Thank that you. earlier, but, you know, <laughs> Thank you. great. Uh, what, a, what a show. So congratulations. Thank you. It was a fun show to do, and hopefully yeah. you'll be able to bring back Steve and, and, yeah, and Al Tuspin. Yeah, you inspired yeah. David and I to do even longer shows now, so uh, thank oh, you God. for that. <laughs> Two and a half what hours. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> that better not happen again. 
<laughs> okay, uh, as for me, let's see here. There are new interviews on my website. Last show I mentioned there's a new one with Lawrence Juber from Wings. He's got a new CD out called Downtown, which you should definitely check out, covering a lot of pop and uh, jazz standards uh, on there. And I also interviewed Michael Hill. Michael was one of John Lennon's childhood friends, and he was with him throughout, uh, you know, grade school, through high school. He was, I, I guess you'd have to say, John's closest friend before Paul George Ringo came along was definitely Pete Shotton. But mm -hmm. Michael Hill was one of the others that he was somewhat close to. And um, Michael tells a story about how he went to Holland and bought... Uh, the single of Long Tall Sally, Little Richard's Long Tall Sally. And uh, very often during lunchtime breaks at school, John and Pete and, uh, and Mike Hill and his friend Don would get together for like an hour or so, have lunch, listen to records. And they listened to his record collection, Mike's record collection. According to Mike, Long Tall Sally was, it was a pivotal moment in John's career because he hadn't really thought about wanting to start a band until he heard that record. Even though he heard Elvis Presley and other music before that, this particular record, according to, to Mike Hill, made his hair stand on end. He couldn't believe how exciting this record was. But it's all the stories about their childhood together. And um, he put out a book a few years ago, John Lennon, The Boy Who Became a Legend. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a new interview that I did with Mike Hill on my website, on the same page with Lawrence Juber, which is oh. interviews page four, and that's at KenMichaelsRadio.com. A lot of stories in there that you never heard before. You know, just like Pete Chotten's book was really great, you know, when it first came out. I haven't read it since then, but there are a lot of great stories in that book about uh, John's childhood. Is uh, so that, that book going to be part of a special contest? I'm working on it. <laughs> I try to work everything into it. You know, right. Don't you know that? Yep. He wants to get a you know a prize yeah. out of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got um, enough. <laughs> so yeah, things we said today. We're taking a break. We're going to do a new show next week. I'm on the new episode of When They Was Fab mm -hmm. with Ed and Lonnie. We talk about. Uh, different collaborations the Beatles did in their solo careers together, as well as for other artists, but not actual Beatles recordings. So it could be any solo release like Plastic on Old Band, John and Ringo together, or Imagine, John and George together on the album, stuff like that, plus other artists like Apple recording artists. We do a whole show on that, and that's the, the newest episode of When They Was Fab. We're checking out. Okay. I think that's everything. All right, and don't forget to join us at the Fest um, in uh, just a couple of weeks, August 9th through the 11th, August 10th, Talk More Talk. Uh, Ken Womack and I will be there interviewing Mark Lewison, so come on and, and see us and be part of the show. Is there awesome. a chance that that might be our next show? Yes, that will be our next show, yep. Okay, Absolutely. so like in two weeks or, or so it'll be yep. up? That's it. Wow, I cannot wait to see that. Let's <laughs> 
So he said, "Me too." <laughs> I know. I know you're going to be asking. They're going to be asking great questions tomorrow. So. Yes. Make sure everybody sees your handwriting on the notepad too. So we I, can, I uh... certainly will. And, uh, yeah. They, maybe we should do a contest, Ken. Like the person who can read my writing will, you know, so, you know, we could we could do something like that. And also, I I want to uh, uh, mention that this uh, topic we did tonight, uh, we this is going to be an occasional series for us. We're going to be doing looking at albums that have been, uh, um, you know, not uh, as, shall we say, as successful critically or commercially um, and reassessing them. So this is the first in an occasional series we're going to be doing. And I see a lot of comments that people really like this. So don't worry, there's more coming. Okay. All right. Very yeah, great. Good. This has been great. Thanks to everybody yeah, watching right show. now. Tell as many people as you can, Beatle friends, Beatle fans that you know of about this show, especially those that are into the solo music or want to learn about the solo music. And uh, thanks so much for your support, guys. And thanks yep. to everybody here on this panel. For Tom, Joe, Kit, I'm Ken Michaels stay, saying thanks for listening <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Talk.